Welcome everyone to the Hotel Nerd Network brought to you by Anchor. What's Anchor you say? It is an easy way to make a podcast like this one for free. That's right, I said it, for free. But not only that, you can record from the comfort of your home, on the PC, or on the go with your phone. They have everything you need to make a podcast in one place. The best feature is that they even distribute the podcast for you on multiple platforms, so you don't have to stress on getting your content out there for the world to hear. If you're looking for a free and easy way to make a podcast, download the Anchor app on your mobile device or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now please sit back and enjoy the show. Arts gives us the ability to have background music now for intros. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Best thing StreamYard's done in a while. So, uh, welcome back to another live interview of Let's Talk. Uh, today, we're joined by Jacob, uh, and I really, I really hope I get this right, Jacob Cordas. Correct? <laughs> it was close. It was close. <laughs> I am terrible with names. Even though you did tell me how to pronounce it properly, I still <laughs> so you're um, good. I... Yeah, that just uh, again apologies, terrible names. So, uh, but before we get started, one thing I want to do real quick is uh, for anybody that's not aware yet, uh, granted it's been said about multiple times, but we have Poddex back as our sponsor, so. Just to throw the plug out there real quick, go to poddex.com, use code NERD22 for 10% off of your first purchase. Uh, it has to be physical media. It cannot be digital. Uh, and it's a one-time only use. Uh, it's a really easy way to support the channel while also getting some really cool merch from Poddex. Uh, I use interview decks occasionally. Um, those are the, that's what I have right now. I believe they have hats and t-shirts now from the last time I saw as well. So check it out. Uh, also, we have our Patreon back up and running. So become a member. Uh, multiple tiers. I'm not going to get completely involved in on that because I want to get right into this interview here with Jacob. But go to Patreon, look up Hotel Network, and that's another easy way to support the channel. So, Jacob, uh, welcome. Sorry that it took so long to get here. Uh, <laughs> Happy to be here. Happy to be here. But life happens, I guess. Yeah. But, um, so, you told me through our conversations that you're a gaming master. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm a game master. Uh, I predominantly go through startplaying.games, and I run a bunch of different tabletop games. Okay. What was your uh, first foray into being a game master? Uh, I started running games about a decade ago or so. Um, I was living uh, in a house with like seven people and everybody played tabletop games. Um, so I had 
I was obsessed and very, very artsy pretentious. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna blow everyone's minds. Um, so I tried to run the uh, Doctor Who RPG, which is amazing. I love, love, love the game. Um, but uh, I was so bad at it that they made it about 45 minutes in and then went, we're not finishing this. Uh, just <laughs> of truly demoralizing. Because everyone's like, no, this has just been a shuffling between hallways. No, figure out where you're, you're going to do this and then do it again. Um, and I just kind of did. And I kept going from there. I've run a bunch of stuff since then. And I can actually run Doctor Who now, uh, which is a nice, nice growth of my only little foray that I got into, and I didn't do it for very long, because about the time that I started doing anything was I did Dungeons and Dragons, mm -hmm. and we got about two weeks in because we were doing like multi-level campaigns. Yeah. So each week would be a level, and we would do like what we call seasons, mm -hmm. and every season would be like two months long. So it'd be like mm -hmm. eight. If you did like TV shows, eight episodes long, mm -hmm. and we got two weeks in, and then everybody just kind of went, Phew. <laughs> so. That was like when I first started, is we never made it past three sessions. So we always did like three sessions, and someone else would just be like, oh, I've got an idea for a campaign. And then they would jump in and run Pathfinder, and then someone would jump in and run Dungeons & Dragons, and kind of bouncing around like that. Um, I think I was, I think I DM'd for like five or six years before I had a game make it longer than like three months. Right. It's actually kind of ironic, too, that I'm actually talking to you the week after I talked to the CEO of Game Apart. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever heard of that company. Yeah, I have heard of them. They're super cool. That would be cool. an interesting company for you guys like to collab on, I think. Oh, for sure. Because he's got a lot of really good ideas that mm -hmm. he's got in the pipeline. If you watched last week's interview, that he, he's got me on board. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how that goes. <laughs> so, and considering the fact that we've already been talking about him coming back on when new announcements are to be made. Mm -hmm. So, and just something to throw out there. It's just, it's really like poetic that it was him first and then you second. Because you both are in the same wheelhouse of each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap there for sure. So, uh, but yeah, you're also going to be hosting your own show. From what you yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a um, yeah. I I I kind of like tiered myself, so like I made it so I wanted to be good enough at one thing before I could start doing it. So I wanted to DM well enough before I started doing it for pay, and then I wanted to do that well enough before I started doing my own show. Um, I just became the top fifth highest review GM on Start Playing with no negative reviews. And I was just like, yeah, that's about the point where it's okay for me to start doing the show. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm starting up a, uh, we just recorded the first episode yesterday, a show called In the Land of Cheese and Sauce, um, which is as ridiculously silly an idea as you could possibly try to make into D&D. Well, the map itself is kind of silly looking too. And everybody's going to recognize the map right off the bat. It's definitely inspired by one state in particular. Oh yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's very apparent when you look at it. It's you can, it, it it's, uh, I'd almost want to make it a contest to see who can, who can respond fast enough to. Um, yeah, we, um, yeah, it just came out of. Uh, we were doing. Um, a friend of mine hosted Taco Bell podcast. Weirdly enough, uh, 
Cheesy Gordita Bunch, super fun show. Um, and I had written some weird stuff for it on occasion. And then for Thanksgiving, they did a like a Friendsgiving uh, a D&D episode that was uh, that I came on and DM'd. And that was kind of Taco Bell themed as a joke, just to, you know, a lot of Taco Bell references, see how you can go all there. Um, and we all loved it a lot. And we decided to try to take that really ridiculous one-shot idea and see if we could actually build a world out of that. So myself and a uh, good friend of mine, uh, Alex Mendez, went through and built out the whole world. We hired an amazing map designer to make the map based on our notes. And yeah, that's how you get the um, pretty just ridiculous land of yum. All right, so I'm going to pull that map up now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make this full screen here. So yeah. hopefully everybody can still hear us. But um, yeah, definitely the first thing I noticed right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the out of my head is how many people that live in Texas are going to be offended. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least half of our players are from Texas. Um, uh, with two yeah, of us, like I'm going to be moving to Texas soon. So, uh, I, yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, like hopefully, hopefully they'll embrace us more than they'll hate us. <laughs> Try to give it that Texas spirit. Yeah, I'm trying to get it bigger so we can see better detail here. Yeah, that that map is crazy deal. The artist the artist killed it. Um, right, you can just kind of zoom in on any part of it, and there's just so much there. Um, it is a ridiculous, ridiculous world, um, and the artist took it 100 seriously. All right, so. I'll let you be the guide because you're it's from your brain. So mm -hmm. where do we want to start? And you just kind of guide us. <laughs> so um uh you know what we'll start at uh Glen Cove, um there in like the center of the map. Um right so uh Glen Cove is the center of the um of Bell Nation the like main religion in this world founded by uh Glenn Bell Jr. Um, the actual founder of Taco Bell. Um, it is, it, it's one of those things where as I say it out loud, truly how dumb it is, uh, uh, is, <laughs> is possible to ignore. Um, yeah, I went through and read Taco Titan for something, uh, which is the biography of Glenn Bell. And it was, there's just so many weird little jokes there. Uh, um, probably my favorite is it's this, is that for whatever reason, there's, it's this kind of, plateau like airs rock esque um and on each of the four entrances into it there are a these massive statues to the flavor saints uh who who cry their respective hot sauces so fiery mild diablo hot um uh as like a religious miracle um there you go. yeah 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 um <laughs> uh and then they have like they have like we went through and there's a shockingly elaborate like religious structure to it um spent a lot of time reading on like the catholic church so i could emulate that structure for it um and then they send their ambassadors out to everywhere um i guess to the east of that you have like flavorton um which totally isn't inspired by any guy fieri memes not at all um, <laughs> um no relation um which is that like the main to do with the super bowl commercial this year 
but they're like they, that's like capital of the Gustus Imperium, which is like the biggest nation above ground. So they have all of the eastern side. They they're very um, uh, as the geography is just very closely tied with the uh, with Bell Nation. They've um, two of the five characters are from this country um, as they kind of explore out and kind of learn about the consequences and what kind of stuff they're all up to. Um, all the towns there were, I just to be, just because um, I like lazy theming, um, all the towns there are kind of like food, like vaguely food themed. So it's that's why it's like Tang or Zing or Bite. Like that's are all the towns there. Um, to try to give it that that uh, impossible to ignore food vibe. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's um. I'm um, curious about Fishtopia up here. That one keeps catching my eye. <laughs> <laughs> Fishtopia and glittering drop of dew. Yeah, they're um. So the mountain range is the blasting peaks, um, and there is a dormant volcano there in the center called Mount Baja, um, which is not at all an elaborate way to get to the phrase Baja blast. Um, on either side of them are these two like really self-contained cities that are. Um, in like a perpetual war with each other. Um, the Fishtopia and Glittering Drop of Dew that are just these like really self-contained civilizations that are so high up in the mountains that nobody's able to um, interact with them and none of them are really able to interact with the people below. So they've just been like locked in this permanent, very pointless war with each other for who knows how long. Um, they're... Uh, there's unique, there's two unique races, one for each city that are that are up there. And they're uh, I don't want to spoil anything in that regards, but I'm very excited for when they get to when they get to that, when they find their way up those mountains and get involved in that war. Yeah, yeah. Uh one person here that's liking your map, Nicholas Ortiz. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really happy with the map. They yeah, it's we we leaned hard into like making it very steampunky themed um was like the aesthetic i wanted is that early i wanted to do um because a lot of steampunk is like 19 is like 1910s 1920s -y is effectively where they set it um uh just you know like that gaslighty era um and i wanted to move it a little bit back to like the dawn of steampunk um close to um like eight, closer in line with like the 1870s like southwest so kind of like Wild West, uh, Wild, uh, what is it, uh, Wild Wild West, um, um, kind of in, which is such a terrible reference point, but uh, was uh, legitimately a major inspiration for it, is the, having that kind of like weird West steampunk, like the, uh, uh, if you look at the map, you can actually see they did an amazing job with this. Um, you can see like the uh, black track marks heading up from Flavorton, and some places they turn white. Um, oh, yeah, I see it. So, if they're black, that means that they're train tracks. If they're white, it means that's the route the train will go, but they haven't completed it as of the completion of this map. Oh. So you actually get to see where it's going and you can see where they've already built their trains to and where they run to, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, it looks like there's one that goes from Flavorton to Glencove. Uh, it goes up to, uh, yeah, it should go up from Flavorton to Glencove yeah, to Viper. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like they're they've yeah, almost one that goes to the lake. What is that lake? Uh, uh, lake Bullet. Yeah. Um, and has almost made it to Zing. 
And I think the one to Tang Townships is almost completed as well. I think it's just like an almost, it's almost done. I think there's some white on the opposite side of the actual name tag. Yeah, yeah, there is. There are two dots. Mm -hmm. That's that's really interesting detail there. Oh yeah, they they killed it in that regards. Um, it's so I really like it. It immediately like gives you all of this information. It immediately tells you it's like everything you need to know without ever being like obtrusive about it. I was really worried when I sent it to them that they were gonna put like full train tracks on the map that would just fill up so much space. Um, and I, I love what they, the way they figured out how to do it. Oh, excuse me. Uh, you wanna know the vibe that I get off of when I look at this map? Yeah, what's the vibe? You ever watch Avatar The Last Airbender? Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, I love that show. It kinda looks like that kind of map. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted, uh, yeah. Right before I'm, I zoom in to show the fire nation. Yeah, right, right before you do the push. Yeah, 100%. yeah. It, it looks, it looks like that. Yeah, I, I will admit, uh, uh, Cora, um, was a for sure an inspiration in regards to that. Is that does a really good job with like steampunk and high magic. Well, um, you can see that with that blimp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the, the Cora blimp. Oh yeah, they're so cool. I love the skyships there. Like there's, um, there was no way to show it on the map, but under, um, on, cause I, um, I'm a huge fan of in like regular D and D or in like, um, I guess Fey run D and I'm a big fan of the Underdark. Um, if you're familiar with that, it's just basically just the under, the, the, the underground is so massive in Fey run that it is a full like world of its own. Uh, so I went through, and if we're dealing with, you know, Texas 18, you know, 70s, 1880s, that's the start of like oil. So I wanted to kind of incorporate that. And so there's actually these massive like steampunk ships riding the oil seas underneath all of this, um, covering a lot of like the Western side. Um, that's kind of where the game starts off is in the Underdark dealing with, uh, with some of them actually being pirates on the oil seas. So trying to see, you're talking about like right here at like and uh, um, no, it's it's not really represent. The only part of it's represented on the map is a little bit more to the north, which is Casa Krupfil, um, which is a French word. So I don't know why I say it with a German accent. Um, um, <laughs> I just have to. I just say it like that. At this point, I've I'm just like officially that's how it's said in the world. Um, you can see the little holes in the ground that kind of lead into the underdark, which is uh, instead of actually showing the city. Um, so like underground, it's not represented on here. You can actually see this world and you can see um, uh, underground is this, there's this massive kind of glittering um, city surrounded on all sides by just massive, like an ocean of oil, of black crude oil that just flows in every direction. And there's little islands here and there that are kind of like frontier towns. Um, it basically be the, it would go as far, like basically all the way to the north of the continent almost all the way to like where Barrick Sam is, maybe a little bit further south, and then kind of eastern out at where, right before you get to Glen Cove. So like all the whole Western side of the map is basically the underground is just filled with this massive oil sea. All right. Yeah, there's no good way to yeah. do levels like that on the map. So I'd ra I was, yeah. uh, and of course my players immediately when we were building our characters picked the part of the world that isn't represented on the map. Um, 
they were very good about that. The game was supposed to start in Flavapelago, all the way in the south, and then they picked their characters, and uh, all the work I did there was thrown out the window, and we immediately uh, rebuilt the entire beginning. Yeah, well, you have a map of the underground uh, eventually. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to get one made. It wasn't it wasn't a, a top priority right now. We just wanted to get like the whole world made so we could have that sensation there. And there's really because it is like you know one major city with these swathes of oil kind of everywhere. It makes it so from a, for the players at least, it makes it feel a little bit. Um, wilder, a little bit more dangerous if they don't have a real map to go on, if they have to kind of abstract it out to a little bit um, as they just kind of hope they're going in the right direction. Um, yeah, especially since like most sailing, you know, even at this time would have been done predominantly with your um, would have been done a lot by stars. Just removing the sky makes it way harder. Um, so it, it, it makes it a it hopefully will make it a much more threatening time of time for the story a uh, great way to kind of start it off and then once they've been down there a little bit we'll have a full map we can give to the players as well as release publicly as there's no way to really hide it from the players if we release it publicly all right now without trying to get into spoiler territory or anything mm -hmm. is there like a big boss that is like the end game for this or is it just kind of at random um I, so I don't, as a GM, I don't normally, I don't, I know that they, people talk a lot about like the big, bad, evil guy kind of thing. Um, I don't normally build like a big, bad, evil guy. What I like to do is build like problems per region and then let them pick the order they want to deal with them in. And then that, and because it's all sort of intertwined to some degree, you can have a really the ending boss, I can always, I can just scale up to match wherever they're at instead of trying to make an, a, a final boss and force them to like go in the arc to get there. Um, and my players are um, truly crazy. Um, they, I've never had players start a riot as quickly as they did. Um, <laughs> where like, a riot. yeah, within an hour of play, a full on riot had broken out, um, which is very impressive because they were indoors. Uh, but they did it. Um, so, like, trying to plan out, like, a big boss that's, like, you know, 50 sessions down the line would be effectively impossible with these guys. I'm just going to build the stuff that I know will be exciting when they get there, and then whatever order they decide to deal with it is the order that it'll kind of scale accordingly. All right. <laughs> I'm curious at how that riot got started. <laughs> uh, they were very persuasive to some goblins, is, is all I'll say. Very persuasive. Goblins would do it. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Especially if it involves gold of any kind. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, Let's see if anything else jumps out at me here. Uh, I'm a big fan, if I may. I just just because it's a little nerd thing, I'm really I'm really happy with is this the it. swamp uh, the swamp down there. Um, it's just called the swamp. Like it's just this swampy marsh area right there. And you can see, but it's, um, um, it's solar punk themed. So all of the names there are play off of actual solar punk writers. Um, with probably my favorite being K Le Guin being a play off of Ursula K Le Guin. Um, but kind of like abstracted out a little bit. So it's a, hopefully on first read, you don't immediately see the, see the reference. Um, 
they're trying to like lean into so it's like this solar punk very um um canonically it has um um i believe the way i phrase it in the first episode is they have the dankest bud um uh and they just they just live this weird solar punk swamp lifestyle um i am hoping at some point somebody will go there um but knowing, knowing my players i just i've given up on dreaming too much i'm just gonna let them do whatever they want and and hope i can <laughs> keep up well yeah especially if they can sort of riot within an hour yeah if you're able to do it that fast i i don't know what you're capable of let's see you got some towns way down here to the south yeah, yeah. yeah so that's the Flava Pelago. Is that series of islands right there? Um, and the Flava Pelago has um, um, just re has is basically for the last hundred ish years been. I think it might be actually a little longer. Have been undergoing um, colonization efforts by Gustus Imperium by the Gustus Imperium. So you can see they're like the only names on the map are their names that they've applied to them. So like New Flavorton um, uh, and. Um, on the probably the single most unsubtle name on the whole map, uh, Civilized City, um, as one of your like colonized uh, cities that they've got down here. A lot of the other islands they haven't been able to get to yet. Uh, the boats there are kind of to show a naval blockade as they blocked off Flava Pelago for much interaction with the rest of the land of Yum. Now, did the mainland do that uh, blockade, or did they do that blockade? Uh, Gustus Imperium did it. Those are Gustus Imperium ships down there that have, have blocked off, uh, blocked it off to try to, like, resource-wise kind of, um, stop the native population from being able to, like, uh, get resources to help them fight and to protect their homelands and that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Lake Nastra. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a, um, uh, I am, I like puns if you cannot tell already. Um, I like puns. Um, and you know, for this world, I can't use, you know, your normal D and D gods. So I was like, I have to build my own pantheon. Um, and that was a, not the kind of thing I'm, I'm, good at doing or very, not, not that I'm good at doing, it's that it's not the kind of thing that gets me all that excited. Um, so I was like yeah. struggling with it and I was just like, well, you need a, you know, you need a God of like the hearth, you know, you need a God of like nature. And I was trying to come up with what to do with it. And I don't know exactly why, but I decided to mix that with the God of, of like seers, the God of seeing the future. Um, and I made a, so it is the, they are the God uh, Nastradamus um the horse seer god um which is just truly stupid um uh, <laughs> um when you worship them i require i'm going to require the players to say nastradamus because that's going to make me laugh every time um so that's kind of a lake that lake is specifically kind of ties into that deity and those who who worship them all right that's that's <laughs> That Nostradamus one, that, that would get me every time, too. I, <laughs> able, I Honestly, I wouldn't be able to do it. Half of DMing is just getting your players to do things that make you laugh very hard and, and making it seem like it's very important to the world. 
right. Is there any other places on the map that you wanted to touch on at all? Sure. I mean, if we since we touched on most everything else, I I'll hit on the so um, Tylergy, Sevete, uh, um, Bad Exam are all um, kind of in the salt dunes. Um, are like the most recent parts of the world um, added in in the last fifty-ish years, effectively, um, as Flavortin um, effectively kicked out the entirety of the gnomish population of their nation, um, full-on just. Um, marched them out of the city um, after they refused to participate in some military, after a large portion, a large enough portion um, refused to participate in the military activity. So these are, um, these are the recent towns that they've set up um, a little bit further outside uh, on the territory that they've been, I mean, really no better word for it, that they've been allotted around uh, Carnival Lock, this very like party area. Um, um, we've got a couple, we've got at least one Gnomish player in the game. So I'm very excited for kind of those three cities to tie in and to get involved and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, see, when I play d and I always like being like a ranger type. Mm-hmm. Uh, that or be a healer, one or the other. Oh, yeah. I I don't get to play as like a player really ever. Um, I get like once a year I get to play is effectively what it breaks down to. Um, if I'm lucky, so I, um, all of my characters at this point are all the, are all very, very dumb concepts taken far too seriously for whatever hole the team needs filled. Um, so like, I will be the thing that you need, but I will just be the goofiest, silliest version of it possible. Um, uh, one of the, the play you'll be the NPC that everybody wants to kill, but nobody can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, either that or I'll dip out fast enough where they'll just be like, I missed that guy. Um, um, they, they didn't learn to hate him yet. Um, I had a, a, a character in, I just got to play the other day for the first time in like like a year. Um, a friend of mine, uh, they actually are in the game. Uh, they let me play uh, Monster of the Week, if you've heard of that game. It's, a, it's amazing. It's a Powered by the Apocalypse game, highly recommend. Um, and I played like a, um, I played a detective who was, um, um, uh, who saw, who only got clues through raw kindness. So like, I was just like, like a very, just, just genial, sweet person. And that's all I did the whole time. It's just like, oh yeah, I, I understand the problems you're having, but if you could please just tell me what's going on, I'd be greatly appreciative. Just that for like three hours. Um, Basically prequel Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, prequel Obi-Wan Kenobi is exactly <laughs> what it was. <laughs> just with a really bad Southern accent, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exactly the way how you just worded what you had said there. It's like that's exactly the first thing that comes to mind. Obi Wan Kenobi in the prequels. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just waiting for you to go, hello there. <laughs> <laughs> I really missed an opportunity. I really missed an opportunity. Um uh I think the name perfectly summarizes the kind of stupid I do where his name was uh, uh his name was Detective Oliver Twistler, DDS. Um, and yeah, like there's just so much, so many weird things implied by that, that as soon as you hear it, you're just, you have too many questions and I will not answer them. Um, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, there was, in our group, we had, uh, one character called Weed Man the Mighty. Okay. And. Love it. So far extreme. 
Um, <laughs> and you would think one of two things is going to happen here. He's either called Wee Man the Mighty and he's going to be really jacked and really tall. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to be exactly what the name implies. He's going to be really, really small and very, very strong. Well, we had the very, very small part covered. And he was the weakest goddamn character <laughs> on the face of the planet. <laughs> he's like, he had all these hold my beer moments. And the next thing you know, he's just getting drop kicked like a freaking football. So funny. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, I once had a character uh, uh, years and years ago. I had this character I played uh, for that I would just bring back because I love playing them so much. Um, where I knew I wanted them to be hated by the group, but to be too useful. Um, and I was like, well, if they got to be hated, their name has to be as uncomfortable a word as I can possibly make it. So I made their name Squamos. Uh, so it was just Squamos the Hated, and seeing like a bunch of adults just angrily. Uh, what's Squamos doing is just delightful. Like it was, it made every session worthwhile. It was just the annoyed, yeah, Squamos. I guess you can go over there. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of characters if we had anybody like that. I mean, We Man the Mighty was annoying, but it was like a good kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, oh, shit, we're getting our asses handed us. And then the the guy that would play him, great comedic timing. Like, just bar none, one of the funniest guys that I've ever met. Yeah. Um, he would just randomly, like, we'd get our asses handed us. And then he would have some, like, Negan-esque saying and then go and attack <laughs> and then just get his ass and then the healers would have to go and obviously heal him because he's on the brink of death. There's a couple times that he did die and somehow we came up with some convoluted bullshit to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> he was the most annoying character and the most useless character. He was also the most entertaining character. Yeah, there's real value in that character. If you can, if you can keep your whole group entertained, you will never die. Um, yeah, I love I, I love stuff like that. Um, a buddy of mine played in one of my games. Um, um, his character was so hated that it's one of the few times uh, I've actually had like player on player violence to a certain degree. Like very like like not in like a like a real way, not in, like a casual like like we're RPing and this makes sense and we're all like respectful. Where it was really just like no, he's going to die now. Um, uh, he came back like that game ran for like three years. He came back as the villain later on. Uh, came back as a villain. Yeah, so like this guy that everybody hates, he's just ruined. Like he comes back. Um, um, his name, uh, he had he had one of the greatest names I've ever seen a player have. Uh, Drew. Uh, his name was uh, uh, Drew uh, Barrymore um, um, from the Moore family. Um, it was so so dumb. Uh, uh, he had he he's about to die in the fight, and I just remember because he played this like snobby, rich, awful asshole, and his last lines were just like just something like better better to be dead than poor, and he just gets eviscerated. <laughs> it was delightful, such a good like one of those like everybody like he everybody was just when he had left initially, people were like thank God, and then he comes back, and everyone's just like no, please come back, that was great. <laughs> he like only play villains. Uh, it was a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Uh, trying to think if there's any other uh, stupid stuff that he would do. Or if there was another character. He's the one that always sticks out to me. Mind you, I'm, I'm pushing my brain 20 years to the past to try to come out mm. with this information. Yeah, I mean, D&D, any of these games have the weird thing where since it is like group improv um, at the end of the day, like that's like, it's it's structured, but it's group improv. So you have like, it's really hard to remember and even harder to explain to people what happened in the game. As you'll have like these like yeah. deeply moving sessions and it'll just be like, yeah, like our pet kangaroo got killed by like three giant scorpions. And then I got, I had my dagger stolen. And it's just like that, that sounds like a bad dream. <laughs> like That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it'll be like in session, like players will cry and you'll just be like afterwards, they'll just be like, no one's going to understand why, why this is so sad. <laughs> like no one's going to be able to relate um, except for the people at the table. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the things that come out of like, cause I run somewhere around, cause I do it as my full-time job is I GM. Um, I run somewhere around like 13 to 14 games a week, somewhere in that number. Um, and it is like, like my partner, she'll ask me like, how did the games go? And I have to just kind of be like, they were fun. Cause if I try to explain what happened, it's just gonna be a 45 minute ramble of just yeah. absolute gibberish. And she's gonna look at you like this part of the second head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As a like she plays games too, and it's still just like there's no way to explain this. <laughs> like, like there's maybe one joke in a session I can express, um, or one thing that I did that I really liked, and that'll be it. And then it'll get like, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Thanks. <laughs> well, it's nice that she's at least aware of the world. Like where she's like, oh yeah, okay, I can understand why you can't explain this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's actually playing, she plays in uh, in the show, and she's awesome in it. Um, playing like, uh, I built everybody homebrew subclasses, right? So like, everybody is playing a unique subclass for the world. Um, nobody's, there is, we, we've released some of them online, not all of them. Um, and uh, she's a wizard who is the, of the, who has the arcane tradition of employee's handbook. So the idea being that she's like a like a Taco Bell trained employee, uh, Taco Bell trained wizard. So she makes like uh, she can make food. Uh, she can cast her spells into food, and then when people eat the food, the magic goes off. Nice. Yeah, I thought it sounded like a lot of fun, and it's like I try to do that with all of them. Uh, I made a barbarian that I'm sad nobody picked, whose whole thing is just they're a Karen, um, effectively. Like they're just like their whole thing is like their barbarian path of the incorrect order. Because when we were doing it, there was like an issue with like Taco Bell's just screwing up orders. Um, it was kind of like getting social media tracks and we're like, that's 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 a funny idea for a thing. And it made it into like, you are just really good at yelling at people so they can't do their jobs right. <laughs> that is what you are good at is, as a barbarian. Um, I'm disappointed it never never made it further. Hope somebody, I'm hoping somebody dies so we get to force that character into the game. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fingers crossed on all that. Now, if somebody dies, is there going to be a way to bring anybody back, or is that once you're dead, you're dead? Like, um, death has consequences. I mean, death has consequences. I think, like, the team doesn't have a cleric, so your normal, like, easy ways of bringing people back just isn't there. Like, you don't have anybody who can do the spells that'll normally just, like, if you die, you get brought back in a certain amount of time. Um, uh, theoretically, you could be brought back if you, tr like, 
if somebody goes on a quest to bring somebody back and they make it the adventure now is we're going to try to bring you back. Like, I am not going to say no to that. Um, like just as a GM, it feels like if someone's going to dedicate multiple, like a month or two of their life to trying to bring one person back, fuck it. Yeah. You get to bring them back. Like, absolutely. I am not going to tell you, no, you, it's going to be hard, but you can do it. Um, if you're willing to work at it for that long. Yeah. Uh, but it won't be like an easy, you can't just pick them up, bring them in a town, drop a thousand gold and they're back up. Um, there are consequences. It's just a matter of, and because it is magical, you know, how far are you willing to go so that you can get the consequences removed is a, you know, is a lot of sacrifice. Um, like Gandalf coming back is always one of the best moments in all of, in, you know, all of Lord of the Rings, but it required a whole lot on his part for that to happen. Like that's not, uh, like they sacrifice. Well, there's a whole book before he, like basically an entire 500 pages before that dude comes back in like a 1500 page book, a 500 page series. Like, like that's, that's the scale in my mind of what you have to do if you want to bring somebody back. Well, yeah, it's not going to be like, Oh, gather the dragon balls. Oh, you're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to, you do have to put in a lot of effort and work into it. Um, and then when you have people like put in that effort and work, it's so much more satisfying too uh, from the, for the player when they come back after having dedicated this much time to it, after having that much sacrifice and, and like, that's what they've been thinking about and how, and the, you know, the doubts of maybe we should stop because there's other things going on and we're prioritizing this, like all of that, like the world doesn't stop just because you're doing this. So being able to have that kind of tension there. And then once it's finally done, like, it makes for a really satisfying gameplay experience. Hey, I, I like the fact that there's consequence to death and the fact that the world isn't going to stop on a dime because you just decided to subvert your expectations. You're like, if you have a giant, uh, I don't know, what would be the talk about equivalent to an asteroid coming towards the planet? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. You have something like that coming towards the planet and you're like oh uh how long is that going to be here uh, it's going to be about 45 days how long does it take to complete the quest and bring so and so back uh it's going to be about 43 days uh so <laughs> that gives you two days to save the world <laughs> yeah exactly and that makes it when and if they choose that route and like they, they can do it then the two days are the most stressful terrifying games of the game and like being able to like like or if they choose not to they they know they made the choice and like that makes it that makes everything feel much more um uh much more responsive like and that's what i think people really like out of games like this is that ability to have your choices actively matter um being able to immediately have like no you you actively did this the world responds like this now there are these consequences and those consequences have consequences and just keeps like spider webbing out until eventually the world's a completely different place because of, you know, the choices that you've continually chosen to make. Chosen See, to that's make. That's why I like Fable on the Xbox. Oh, great game. Yeah, I love Fable. Because it, it's exactly like that. Like, oh, mm -hmm. you're the hero, but you could go bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I like about Mass Effect too. Like that was like those, those games are like instrumental for me as like a teenager um like i played those a bunch and they really like they really spending the idea of like you should give your players as much agency as you can um and i've done like improv a lot i did like i've taken some class like Sing city and stuff like that so being able to to just kind of let loose and just 
trust that I can make whatever's happening make sense in a world and have consequences and make it so they know that they're going to have consequences without having to like step on anyone's toes or say like, you can't do that or my game breaks. Yeah, Nicholas Ortiz just also wanted to say the same with Red Dead 2. What I, we were just talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I, I've only played, God, um, it's always weird because I've played so many tabletop games, but I'm not the biggest video game nerd. I've played, what is it, Red Dead Gun or whatever it's called? Red Dead Revolver? I've played that one. That's the only Red Dead game I've yeah. played. The only one I know is Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I played, like, the first one that came out on, like, the, like, I think it was on, like, GameCube and PlayStation 1 and all those kind of systems. Like, that's the only one I've played. Um, I've heard good things about them. Um, it's just, honestly, now that I spend all day doing tabletop gaming, uh, the idea of dedicating more time to, like, a world like that sounds so exhausting. I'm just like, just give me a book. Give me a book that's, like, 400 pages that I can get through in, like, two days. Um, I want media that ends now. Like, I don't want, like, 400-hour magnum opuses anymore. He just put up here also, he goes, your honor is determined by your action, and if you have low honor, then you will have a brutal death. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, I really like that. Um, yeah, that's 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 dope. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to, that's super cool. I wish I had more to say about it, but I've never played the game. I've never played it either, so, I mean, that is this, definitely makes me want to play it, though. Yeah, I think this has just turned into Nick. Nick, I think the interview is just going to be 15 minutes now of Nick pitching us on, uh, on Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, it's just been like, yeah, that sounds really cool. It does sound like a good game. You're right, man. Uh, trying to think if there's any other games. You said Mass Effect. Fable, obviously, is the first mm. one that came to my head. Uh, uh, I played... I played a little bit of the Fallout games, like the I played like Fallout Three and New Vegas a little bit. Those do that really I nice. Any of them. They're they're really good. I mean, I I I really like um, uh, post apocalyptic stuff, um, like your Mad Maxes, your your boy and his dog, that kind of stuff. Um, so it was it's like I enjoy the world a lot. Um, I never got too far into it. Um, <laughs> You have stock yeah. in Rockstar, of course you do. Um, <laughs> but I am, um, yeah, I, I'm trying to, like, it It was really one of those things where it was tabletops that really got me into the idea of, of like, consequences while gaming, um, when being able to be, like, responsive to that. Um, and I, I once had a, because, like, I used to be much more structured or, like, I know a lot of people who will put crazy amounts of prep into their games where they'll like plan everything out in super minute detail and make sure they know like these are the seven people in this town and they do these jobs and these are named the businesses and like, you know, these are the stock they have in stores and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I used to do that. And then I had a game I was running called Means of Masterminds, which is a wonderful superhero RPG. Highly recommend everybody. Um, and Moons and Masterminds, I spent like eight hours planning, you know, the session where it was going to be this really cool, like they're on a train and then the train's going to go underwater and they're going to be attacked. It took place in the DC universe. So there was going to be like the, the Bane, Bane's venom was going to be inside of like large fish and attacking them. And that would lead to the influence of this massive dungeon. It was going to be crazy. And then like, that was supposed to be like, you know, three sessions worth of content and they resolved it in five minutes. And it just like broke something in me. 
there's a power in that game called pocket dimension. And they just, the guy just went up, clicked it and said, I use pocket dimension. And my requirement was to go, yeah, you do. <sighs> and it just, I got so upset and so broken. I'm like, I guess the devil shows up now. Uh, and that was like, and like, I, like, it just broke me. Um, and so I started like removing prep and removing a lot of, um, a lot of those elements of like knowing what's next until eventually now, like with this, cause I built the world, I planned it all out pretty thoroughly in that regards, but you know, the exact NPCs they're going to meet or exactly where they're going or their exact opponents or anything like that. I don't know. Like that is choices that they make that I am responding to in the moment which makes it yeah. so their choices have way more consequence because it isn't like you only have these eight people and these interactions, whatever it is. Now the whole world is whoever you go up to could be important. And I'm just going to give them a name now and they are going to have character traits immediately responsive that are dramatic for the situation. Uh, and it gives a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. It gives a lot more. It gives a lot more freedom there. Um, the only only real negative is that you have to have like a bunch of names on like a list ready to go because otherwise they're all going to be named the same thing. Um, and there's nobody really wants to do with like 17 uh, uh, characters all named Chrysanthemum, which is a thing that happened when I first started doing this is it just kept coming up to like, yeah, their name's uh, Chris, Chrysanthemum. God damn it. Uh, and I just kept accidentally screwing up like that. Um, now it's like I've gotten used to naming structures and I have apps and stuff that help with it. But that's like, I, I, it really does make a big difference in regards to the influence and impact you can feel on the world. Now, you said that you do this as your full time job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I run. didn't realize that doing this was like job, of, like able, I guess is. Uh, <laughs> yeah no it's it's crazy it it it's honestly feels like it shouldn't be um it was um i i was between jobs and i just started kind of doing this while i was looking for something else um and i do like short-term gig work for the most part so like it was like oh i did this and then i got a gig there and then i came back to it and like it just started picking up like crazy for whatever reason um it was partially probably pandemic partially um partially just renewed interest in the games and all that kind of stuff. Um, and what was accidentally just like a side hustle to get me through in between major jobs just kind of turned into like a full-time thing. Um, so now it's like six, I work, you know, six days a week. Um, uh, I run games like effectively, like almost every, uh, those, most of those days I run twice a day, uh, some three, um, like, like it is a normal, it is effectively like I'm normally doing like six to nine hour days doing it. Um, the way it would like any normal office job. Um, now, now uh, how long do your sessions normally go for? Uh, about three hours is about where I try to time it out at. Um, okay. I try not to end any earlier than that. Um, I'll go, uh, I'll, every once in a while I'll go up to like four. And if I'm doing a one shot, it might edge towards five. But I try, you, you start having like player fatigue around the four hour mark. Um, and especially if you're not like invested in your characters, which you're less likely to be because of the one shot. Well, technically it might take five hours to complete the whole thing. I'd rather just do, I'd rather like be able to accommodate immediately for something like player fatigue and be able to like accelerate through certain problems or push stuff like that. That way you don't have to, uh, you know, spend 40 minutes haggling with a gnome at the end of the session, just cause that's how it's written to go. 
Um, nobody wants to end, you know, mass amounts of combat with 45 minutes of haggling with a gnome. That's a terrible ending to a game. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of like being able to, and that's, that's the nice thing of like the improv side of it is being able to immediately compensate for like the emotional place that a character's uh, player, excuse me, is in. Making sure that they actually get the things that they are satisfied from and you know, enjoy themselves. Yeah. Now, did I hear you right? You said that you, you uh, have some training from Second City? Uh, I've taken classes. I like trainings reaching, but I have to, I took some classes um, as like right. a teacher with them. Yeah. Now, Second City, that's Chicago, right? Yeah. That's an improv theater that's based out of Chicago and they have locations all over. Yeah. Yeah. Because I hear Second City, I'm thinking of like Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray. Yeah, they did like yeah, they did like SDTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are those are like the gold tier founding members. No, I mean I did, I did like like two classes in a summer, and it just like I kept doing improv from there. Um, I don't want to get it twisted. I'm not Colbert or something like that. Like yeah, I did, no, no, I did not spend like years of my cool life. To, it's cool just to think that you walk the same halls. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy being in there, especially. Like, cause I, when I was doing it, it was like the height of, cause I was, a, I mean, I still am, um, but I, I was way bigger at the time, a huge Colbert, uh, Stephen Colbert fan as it was like, right at like peak golden era of the Colbert Report, which is one of my favorite shows ever. Um, and being in like a room that you know that he bombed in is kind of weirdly comforting. It's like, <laughs> as you're like doing horribly cause you don't know what you're doing. And then like knowing that like, these titans that you look up to that are just killing it every night, like they did, they failed as bad as you did. It's kind of like there's a comfort to it that makes it easier yeah. to fail in a weird way. Yeah, see, everybody puts it all under pressure, like, oh, I have to be successful to the point that uh, I got to be like this guy. Um, mm -hmm. Like, for if I were to do a comparison to myself to someone, uh, that I look up to like in the podcast world currently and one of them's actually passed away is John Schnepp from Collider. He was uh, host of Collider oh. Heroes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, I always wanted to meet that guy and unfortunately I never will, but I would have mm. loved just to have picked his brain. Um, the other one is Christian Harloff from Snowdown. Yeah, yeah. And like he's crazy successful. Mm. But the thing of it is, is they all started like this. They all started probably in their room with a little get up like what I got right now and they got to where they were and where they are. So Oh. Oh yeah, it's like listening uh, I it, I don't know if you try to listen to, like the first few episodes of Critical Role. Um but it's just like eight people in a house. Like the audio like Critical Role is amazing now, but like at the when it's starting out, it's some of the, like it's truly like no insult to them it's bad like they don't they haven't figured out how to do audio yet for it they haven't figured out how to make the lighting or visuals dynamic at all so it's kind of it's hard to watch and really hard to listen to and it's kind of amazing you'll see where something like that's now like the highest paid people on twitch is these people who started out making like something bad but they kept doing it and now it is maybe the one of the best shows that of its kind um yeah i always try to like i am um, there's a, uh, uh, there's a person I really look up to who's Chris Gethard, um, uh, who has like, who hosts like the Chris Gethard show for years. Um, uh, I love him. He's a really great comic. Um, 
but his motto was always like fail good. Um, yep. So like, just keep like, it's not that failures yeah, that you should always just keep failing at it and keep going at it. Cause you're going to keep failing. And it's uh, all of those things that kind of go together. Uh, I did stand up for years and I always lived by the mantra of Patton Oswalt's, uh, you will bomb for the first five years of your life. Like, I think Letterman even had that mantra too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's And it just kind of resonates and it kind of helps when you, when like an audio clip doesn't sound as good or something or when a moment doesn't go exactly as planned, being able to just accept the like, yeah, you're kind of making mistakes. It's okay. And that's kind of the beauty of it is those mistakes will make it so you can do it better next time in a way that if you hadn't made it, you wouldn't know. Definitely keeps you humble. Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, so any, um, anything else that you wanted to get out there? Uh, like when, what time's your show gonna be on and whatnot uh, in closing moments here? Yeah, sure. Um, so our show, uh, uh, the, the show I'm doing with a bunch of amazing people is coming out March 18th um, on like Spotify, Apple, but, uh, wherever you really listen to podcasts, um, uh, as part, you can find it through the cheesy Gordita network. Um, cause now they have a bunch of shows, which is a wonderful sentence. I'm so happy I get to say out loud. Um, it's, uh, it is a very real, uh, labor of love and I'm very excited to hear people's responses to it. Um, please check it out when it drops on the 18th. Actually, they're in here listening to you. Oh hell yeah! Well, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm getting support. Getting support from them. Um, uh, I figured after I wrote thirty pages of a fake Glenn Bell autobiographical screenplay that they would never speak to me again. So this is a nice, nice change of pace. <laughs> All right, so. Is there a specific time on the 18th that it's going to drop, or is it just? I don't think we have that. I think it's right at midnight. I think it's right at midnight. All right. Um. Yeah. I think we're we're the goal is to have it drop immediately. I believe. Um. But we're still ironing out the final details on the time. But we have the date locked down as the 18th. All right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as we're coming up here at the end, uh, when we're done here, send me mm -hmm. uh, if you have it. You might not have it. Uh, well, they just sent you another message. They're saying 5 a.m. Oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Cheesy Gordita Bunch. Um, <laughs> uh, I, have, I have let down the bunch. This is my bad. Um, I hope I'm still invited to all of the events. <laughs> but um, no, if you have a link or anything that you want to get out there, I'll definitely put it in the description Um after this uh recording here and then we'll we will get it up there and get the word out for you for sure i definitely will i really appreciate it it's been awesome being on here thank you so much yeah and you're welcome back anytime i mean absolutely by any means i mean i i'm very curious to see how far and <laughs> how popular this gets because this seems like this could be a lot of fun so maybe even one of these days i might hit you up and just make like a cameo appearance if you guys are up for it or whatever. I don't know how you guys have it laid out to do things, but. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. We can definitely try to figure something like that out. It would be, I, I really want to have like cameo characters and have like stuff like that for sure. That it, it, it makes it so much fun. You know, I would play a bad guy if you want me to. 
I'll play a total jackass. <laughs> Those are the most fun to play when you don't have to be responsible to the other players. It's just like, oh, like you just get it coming. Well, yeah, because it's your personality and you can like amp it to 100. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you get to really lean in. It's great. Oh, yeah. And I've, that's how I used to do it when I played D&D &D with my friends. I would pick a random character and I would make him exactly like I was. But then, as the game went on, there would be a whole different side to him that would come out. <laughs> I had a I had a friend of mine who actually used it as like a sort of almost like therapy to a certain degree, where they took like a thing that they like wanted to work on about themselves, where like they wanted to be more like comfortable talking to people, or they wanted to be more whatever, and then that would be the way they would play their characters. They'd make it so the character has to be social, so they have to talk to people, and they got like a yeah, kind of a safe place to explore that. that. Too. It, it seems to actually be a common, common thing, actually. And yeah. Yeah, if it works. Yeah, it worked for him. I mean, I if it worked for your friends, I hope it did. It's it's super cool, all the different ways people can play the game. All right. Well, uh, not going to keep you here any longer as we just hit the <laughs> one-hour mark. Uh, I'm sure you probably got some more work to do to get this going, being you're only a few days out from it all coming out. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing the fruits of your labor. Awesome. I'm excited to release my fruits to the public. That felt like a really weird sentence. Um, <laughs> deeply regret that's the note I get to end on. Um, <laughs> well, you can always do a redo. <laughs> <laughs> it's live. It's too late. It's too late. Um, uh, but, yeah, I'm very excited about it. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being patient with uh, getting on here. That, Don't even worry that about helped it. out tremendously. So, hmm. but uh, you have yourself a good day. Uh, had much luck with your endeavors, and let's get you back on here at some point. Definitely sounds like a plan. You have a uh, right. good luck with everything yourself. All right. Thank you. Have a good day now. All right, so that was Jacob Cordas. Ah, God, I cannot pronounce that name. I really apologize. No, you're good. It's Cordis. It's Cordis. 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 Mm -hmm. All right, so that's Jacob Cordis. Uh, and, yeah, definitely check out the game. I mean, this map's amazing. I, I just, I've not seen a map for... Anything, even playing D and I've never seen a map like this. So that the people that did that work for him did spot on. I, that's very, very pleasing to the eye. So uh, any pertinent information that I get that needs to be put up in the description will be put up uh, post video. And I will catch you on the next episode of Let's Talk. For those that participated today, thank you very much. That's what we're going for. We want audience participation. Uh, because the more participation that we get, uh, the more notoriety that the channel gets, and the bigger that we can do things down the line. So uh, with that, have yourself a good night. Uh, enjoy the extra hour of daylight now that we have it. 
Um, and I'll catch you on the next episode.